0: I know you've missed me, but it couldn't have been that long. Never mind, never mind. <laughs> Hello, everyone. Uh, yeah, the Mass Event Podcast. We are made different. And that's the that's a perfectly normal thing. My name is Kalim. Kalim. <laughs> I actually wanted to change from my nickname and start going by my by my actual government name. But it uh, doesn't roll off the tongue now, does it? <laughs> Kalim is much more simpler to pronounce. Never mind. Season 2. It's been a while. I've missed you guys. I have honestly missed sending out these podcasts. Just been spending a bit of time reflecting. Look, I, I, I've gone through some issues. But you know, good news travels and it comes fast and I've had the pleasure of receiving quite a lot of good news of late. <laughs> you know, that's sadistic good news where, hey, the people who've hurt you are going through the most... I am. There's there's a certain pleasure. There's a certain pleasure to it. Come on. (laughs) Can't be the only one experiencing this. Never mind, never mind, never mind, never mind. So, season two is a bit different. Finally, we're here. We are on episode 25. Imagine. It has happened the better part of this year. We've been uh, sending out these episodes and there's been a lot to share. I want to take this time to appreciate every single person who has taken time to steal the Wi-Fi at work. Who's bought data with the part intention of ensuring that they take time to listen to the podcast. I'm I'm grateful for you. I really want to interact more with you guys. So remember, I've set up that email address, mass event. Podcast at gmail.com uh, Website is not going to be done Up until we reach that milestone Of 5,000 total engagements we, we are not there yet So I don't want to invest more money Into something that is not growing Guys, look, we've seen podcasts popping up Everywhere And I'm grateful to see those And, and I was inspired, honestly, by the gains And the victories that we've seen Uma Kaiba achieving So, yeah, massive end podcast Here we are this this season it's going to be different. It's going to be fun. It's going to be serious when it needs to. It's going to be personal when it needs to. Story time, but you're going to enjoy it. This is going to be some good podcasting. We're going to be having a different episode today which is going to be for the first one in September. The date is the the 14th of September. Hey, Right, so I'm going to be speaking about my experiences with white perception. This is what's coming up on today's show. I'm going to be speaking about gambling, a vice that I had to overcome that has stifled me from achieving so many things. Coming to terms with what I've lost and what I could have had and learning to forgive myself and asking for help. Going to be speaking about Tinder experiences. <laughs> How weird it was when I found colleagues on my Tinder match list awaiting me <laughs> to swipe Yo, and say, yes, let's connect. office seen. Never mind. It's fun. And the value of friends. A bit personal. I mean, it's going to be a great show, guys. And another thing. That features back. Some of you seem to have enjoyed that. So, let's have fun. Tune in. Yeah, grab yourself some popcorn. Grab yourself something to drink. Close your eyes. Put your headsets on. Spend time with me. Merci Van Podcast. We are made different. Let's get right into it. Finally, I'm back. So, it's been an interesting period. Um, I've spent a bit of time away. Look, I've, I've invested in a mixer. So, I'm hoping those funny noises that you guys used to hear are a thing of the past. I'm hoping that the quality is going to be coming through. Let's pop. Yeah, spend money. This is how much I love spending time with you guys. So, wide perception. You know, I had an interesting period when I, when I was away. And it was a time for reflection, trying to see things differently, trying to see things happen um, in a way that I wasn't seeing them before. So I started noticing a few things about myself. And coming, coming into terms with character flaws can be, yo, know, it can be a scary experience. Because there are certain things that we want to convince ourselves that, look, I got this on lockdown. You know, that, that, that cognitive dissonance that we find ourselves suffering from at times. It is something that I needed to be in terms with because there were things I was convinced are a certain way, but only to discover that they're completely an opposite way. So I, I found myself on my way to work during the morning drive and I saw something which I felt to be peculiar. I'm, I met this, uh, or, or we we'll say drove past this white man, and it's a, it's a white man walking. Now, he was walking in a stride that I normally would be walking in. A stride meaning I need to get to work or something. Um, shoes, uh, dusty, you can see this man is labored. And in there, I was surprised, shocked even, because this is in the township, those of you who do know where I live, I live in a township, Let's not glorify it. so I saw this man, and I was like, "Hey, hey, something is off." I saw him, and I was like, "No, no, 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 something is not right, Chief. Where were you when the comrades were plunder in the resources of the country, and still are? How did you miss out on that gravy train So this gentleman, I saw him and I, and, I, and, I, and I tried to understand. How does it happen for a white man to live what I deem as normal? In that instance, I wanted to associate myself as the norm, meaning areas of poverty. Poverty associates with color. And prosperity also associates with color. When we make it, we want to move out of the location and go to the suburbs. It's a national progression. I've lived in suburbs for, for quite some time now. So that's what I've noticed and that's what happens. And there are reasons for that safety, witchcraft am <laughs> amongst other things. Um but on this man here, I saw him and I realized that my interaction ever since I've been I've been growing up, my interaction with white people has been consistent. In that, most of the time, if not all of the time, when I'm interacting with white people, I've actually been interacting with white people when they have money. So, I've worked retail. And I still, I, I still interact with a lot of white people. But, all the circumstances that I've met them, is always been a white person who has access to, to means. These people are people who are coming in to spend quite a decent amount of money. Some of them are comfortably spending my salary all in one sitting on a few drums of paint. Not that we get paid that much, but I'm saying to you, the fact that the interaction that I've always had is been a white person equals money, white person equals wealth. And that's also the way we've been raised. And I've said this before, that are certain terminologies that we use. I mean, a money person becomes Umlumu. Your manager becomes Umlumuam. So forth and so forth. So seeing this man, it actually it 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 didn't sit well with me because I saw him and I gave myself a benefit of superpower of being white. Super, being white is a superpower, let's be honest. And I saw him and I said to myself Bruh, if I had your skin color, do you know how far I w-? Elon Musk has nothing on me? <laughs> Honestly, I saw that man and I was furious. I started angering within myself to say that how could he squander those opportunities that he was given. Those birth advantages that he was given, especially in the country that I live in, in the continent that I live on. Seeing this man as he was, I wanted to understand his story. And I didn't speak to him, as I said, we just drove past. But I wanted to make sense of his situation to say, how did he find himself where he was? Now, do you understand the fault that I'm having as a person? I am saying that I am deserving of this state of life that we have because by default, I'm black, having been raised in a village and all these things. So this setting for me is an upgrade from what I'm leaving back home. But it still isn't what a white person should be leaving. I'm just like, oh, I'm appalled on his behalf. He should be there by the suburbs. I should be calling him sir and mister on the basis of his wealth. You imagine that. So, to my surprise, I engaged with someone, and in the very same week, there was a there was a funeral that happened that I went to. Starting with the memorial service, this person had white people in attendance, and the lady came, and you all like, ah, I know this person is in the wrong place, but no, the person wasn't. They knew exactly where they were, and they knew on whose behalf they were there for. We get to the funeral. I see more white people, and I was like, "Hey, boy, yeah, this is really happening." In my defense, the last social interaction I had with white people was in 2001 during my brother's my late brother's um, 21st birthday. So my mother's employer had come with the husband and the daughters, and the boyfriends. They were there to have a good time. And they, they, they honestly did have a good time with the looks of things. It was a different time back then. So that was my only interaction of white people. For me, it was normalized. But I remember the prestige in which they were—they were they were held with. Oh, my uncle, my late uncle. Oh my God, people are dying in my family. My late uncle, I remember fondly how he was interacting with them, treating them as masters as royalty. He didn't want anything but to be close to them. (laughs) And there was such a huge language barrier in between. (laughs) Every five or ten minutes, he would just call one of us and say, Hi boys and girl." (laughs) That was it. (laughs) That was it. But he was having such a good time engaging with these people. I I don't know how it went, but all I knew is that he had fun. He had the time of his life. May so rest in peace. So as they they, they said there, I remember that there were certain things which were done to their benefit. Now, my home, we use the pit, the long drop system. If you don't know what a long drop is, imagine when you're throwing a rock down a hole or a tunnel and it takes a while to arrive that's the long drop system that's the toilet system that we guys used <laughs> those pet latrines. so they weren't using those my mom had to make arrangements from one of the neighborhood, uh, her friends, who was using a, a flushing toilet back then. If they needed to use a toilet, they needed to drive quite a distance. I would say it's maybe half a kilometer away from, from home, just for them to relieve themselves. <laughs> so you, you, you get where these interactions started from. So I started having an expectation to say certain privileges are made for certain people associated with that color growing up it's always the light-skinned people who are seen as 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 handsome as beautiful it's only now as people are beginning to to wake up that they're starting to see us darkies as handsome well i don't i don't know if they see me as handsome (laughs) but i know that they see the darker the darker dudes as handsome but that doesn't take away from the privileges of having a lighter skin complexion. Ergo, Trevor Noah, would, would he be as successful as he is, as if he was as dark as, I would say, Trevor Gumby? Or Giriwoni Mulauzi I don't know. I'm just comparing him with, with, with comedians. That we may never know. But the certain the something that we associate with the lighter colour. The something that when you see a certain type of skin color you're associating them with evil. How many dark skinned women were burned and are still accused as witches to this day? In contrast to the light skinned people who get away with all sorts of things. Look at the hate that Kelly was receiving when she was stuck. Yeah? <laughs> it was it was the bullying that made that child. <laughs> Go and lighten her skin. As to which Kelly, ah know the one you thought of—that's the one I'm referring to. <laughs> so my, my wide perception, I, I, I saw this, 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 these people at the funeral, and automatically I associated with class, and I was like, oh my god, oh my god, this person has made it in life. Oh, look at him! Ah, yeah, I can't believe you have the white people at your funeral. And immediately I thought of myself and said, If I were to kick the bucket right now, there isn't a single white person that I can tell you who's going to shed a tear for me. And I've been, I've been working for over 10 years, but I, I, I don't have a single white person. This is me coming to terms with a, a few uh, cognitive biases that I have, that I, that I want to expose, and I, I can't be the only person who's experiencing life this way. And I'm not saying there's anything bad to it. I'm not saying this is a bad thing. I'm not saying this is a horrible thing. I am saying these are the the, the realizations that I had over this week. So my white perception didn't didn't, didn't balance. The formula I was using to understand life just didn't have all the variables to give me a correct answer. Because I still wanted to understand how are you as a white person living with me in a township working? It's not for you. It's always been the other way around. Where I would be the one walking next to the road and white people would be looking down on me. Not to say I was looking down on him. But I am saying from four by fours. You, you understand it, SUVs and 4x4s, it, it, never mind, I don't need to explain that. It has always been the difference. And the, 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 the cynical part of me says, is NC that good that it has equal, it's equalizing the slate? Or are they that terrible <laughs> that even the white people are starting to be marginalized and become as poor as we are? So we're going to be united in our poverty, united in our brokenness. For lack of a better word, don't be too woke and say, Ah, Pimelo, who says all the people in the townships are poor? No, I didn't say that. But the vast majorities are. Hence the sizes of the places we're living in. I've spoken about this in the first season. So my expectation on black culture and white culture was distorted. And it took me seeing that man to realize how I've actually lived life up to this point. I've worked with colleagues and I've seen the, the, the slack and I've seen the nonsense that they've taken from the white person. Every time a person sees the right to call themselves, or to call them I should say, stupid. Fuck you, stupid. You don't know anything. All these words that we have to endure at the expense of the white men, or women, imagine this. recently, I interacted with this white man, and you were at work. Oh, one of the places I work at, I should say. He said, there was an a, an issue with the transaction that he had pulled through. And then he said to me, "No, you are stupid. Huh? you're wasting my effing time after this, after that." And I said to him, Firstly, who are you calling stupid? He says, no, I'm not talking to you. I'm talking about your business. I said, this isn't my business. And I said to him, if you want to call the, the the business stupid, you have every right to stand there at the wall where we have the logo and so as much as you can. Because I do not substitute for the business. I'm not your interaction or frustration. There's channels for that. You cannot insult me as a person and expect me not to take it. And unfortunately... This is the world that we are living amongst, where the rights of others are being trembled upon. The, the, the rights of others are not being taken seriously. Our dignity has been undermined at the expense of those that are wealthy. It is an unfortunate occurrence, but it happens so frequently, enough so that it's even given a titles. A title such as the customer is always right, the customer is king, the customer is royalty. And royalty treaters, as peasants, as subjects unto them. This is the culture, the capitalist culture that is coming in, and I have no reservations to it. But I'm saying no one has the right to overtake your dignity. You remain a person, you remain human too. So seeing my colleagues that they would never speak up for themselves, they would accept it and apologize, as is the expectation. And it has never sat well with me. But all oh, be it Ibetagi. If a black person, an African person, who comes up and gives them the very same level of attitude, the very same level of disdain, and see it in their face sparking up, the fury, the rage that they want to immediately escalate with. Oh my God. Because for them, it is is much more about who's telling them what than what is being said. They say, I, not this black person having the audacity to treat me like a black person. (laughs) that's how they view it. How dare you as a darkie treat me as a darkie? I expect this kind of behavior from a white person. You see? How many times have you been insulted? And what were your reactions to those situations? If you are able to turn the other cheek for the white person, why aren't you doing the same for the black person? Black on black crime, why is it so violent? The apartheid legacies, I think we would need time to bring in psychologists, to to bring in people who actually understand how the human brain works. Because the way that this system was developed, this system of apartheid, it is the same way that it needs to be developed. You, You don't Unite without addressing certain issues. You want to say, let us all unite, Ubuntu, Sing Shosholosa, and let us continue with life. We can't do that. It's absolute nonsense. There's a better way to address these things. So, the same mindset that was used to bring up this problem is the same that we need to have in order to neutralize it. We need to have the opposite of it. Good people to come together, intelligent people to come together. And then find solutions for this. Because intelligent people got together and they found the evil in order for them to progress. And the evil was so well written, articulated, effected A minority leading the majority and ensuring that their suffering is perpetuated for generations generations and generations and generations and generations to come. Making sure that they have an advantage that we can never be able to jump through. White perception is when I'm seeing a black person driving a huge car, part of me can't help itself but to think that somehow corruption and tender money was used. But when I see a white person, that part of me is mute. It's, 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 it's quiet that we need to address. And it's, it can't be me only who sees this. I mean, I was, I, was, I, was, I was traveling and I took an Uber on that day and I saw this beautiful orange Audi Q8. I've never seen a car like it. It was the first time I'm seeing a Q8. It was beautiful, massive. And immediately I wanted to see the skin color of the person driving it. And I saw it was one of us. Immediately the command of the taxi dri- the, 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 the Uber driver, he said, Yeah, no, you, you can't, you can't uh, have that kind of a car having a 925. You see, tender money. These people are eating tenders. Imagine <laughs> yeah. You can't have a tender life If you're not eating tenders hmm? Soft life ah. And then we drove past And then there was a McLaren There was a Maserati These were white people The comments were then Ah you know these people have money So they can't be corrupt They can't be tenderpreneurs That's absolute nonsense man Part of the reason why the R.T. faction is as it is because the politicians who liberated and part of that NC faction, same with the EFF, are the people who want to liberate you so we can all enjoy the spoils of the country. They want to be the ones who are having the same benefits as the white person. So the only thing happening, the only benefit you're experiencing is that there's a change of master. Your master previously was white, your master currently is black. That's the only thing that's happening. But they want the system to remain the same. Those that were poor, they will need them to remain poor. Those that were rich, they need them to remain rich. The only thing is, they want to have the same benefits that your previous oppressors had. You can't trust Julius Malim. The hypocrite here is. The person who was called people bedwetters, cockroaches, key ladies, and all these things called siramaposaranko. I mean, kim <laughs> on. Okay, let me take my nose out of that. But I am saying, now he wants to sue Kuneno saying that you called him a cockroach. And to that, he takes offense. How are people still falling for this guy? What is wrong with you? White perception, black perception, these are inventions of the politician. Things are the way they are because of the way society has structured itself. Guys, I need you to understand the value of luck. The value of chance and being brought up in the, in the right neighborhood. Let me give you an example. I've been doing public speaking since the age of seven. In 2001, I did a, a, a speech on World AIDS Day. On the 1st of December. It just so happened that on the very same day. This is the very same day that I met those white people and at the party. Because it was my brother's 21st birthday. But during the day, I was called at school to come and do um, a speech. The speech wasn't written down. I wasn't reading it. It was a speech that was um, obviously written. But I had memorized it at an age of 7. And then I did this speech. And everyone was blown away by this young village boy. Seven years of age. There I was skinny. There I was with my dark knees. <laughs> I remember I had this watch I used to love. It was a branded Pokemon watch. I used to love that watch. And I remember just waiting there on the day looking for the speech because I was supposed to read that speech. But for reasons known not to me, I somehow lost the paper. So there I was on the stoop. And my teacher, Mamut Zepe, came up to me and said, Are you ready? Where's your speech? Let's go through it again. And I said, Ma'am, I lost the speech. Oh, she panicked. She called my other teacher, one of my favorite primary school teachers, Mamudipa. They're like, Oh, your son has lost their speech. What are we going to do? Oh, there they were. Penny Yo, 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 yo. The main attraction. And yeah, but I said, no, I'll do it. I will do it. And then the time came and they called me up to come and speak about AIDS. Stepped up. And I spoke about it, and I spoke, and I spoke, and I spoke, and I spoke, and And unbeknownst to me, that was a disease that had ravaged my family. That was a disease that had taken and robbed me of so many, so many people that I loved. But I passed. So, on the very same day, afterwards, I went home. And only to be informed later on that the people from government, the reporters that were there, the 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 the, the station, there was a news station there, they were looking for me. But I didn't know any better because I was more concerned being part of my my brother's festivities. And this was during the time of the famous uh, um, Ngosi Johnson. I'm that old, <laughs> so the shine was taken away and I started growing up and, and watching shows like wild room on your TV and I would see Carly Fields. I would see Cypher. I would see Cecilia. I would see Boslai. I would see Mandisa, Shadé had a crush on her. Maybe still do. Don't know. <laughs> so when I was doing that, um, When I was doing that, it actually was a very, very, very interesting time of my life because I looked at those people and I said, but there's nothing special about what they're doing. I said, what they do, I can do also. I told myself that, how do they get there? And I would ask my mom, said, Mom, can you take me? Because I remember they always used to say, we are coming at you live from the Brightwater Commons. And I wanted to be a part of that place. I either wanted to be the studio audience, I wanted to audition. They would have auditions for, for, for Tube, which was on SABC2. They would have an audition for, for, for UTV. And I remember <coughs> SABC3 didn't like kids. They hated kids. They had nothing for kids only started having cartoons in 2013. <laughs> I know I'm lying. It's about 2020, 2010, 2011. Didn't take us seriously, the nerve. Hectic 99, when he came in, I was like, I want to be a part of that. But I, I never got the opportunity. As a child, I didn't see myself any different. I saw myself as a kid. And I knew what I was watching were kids. What they could do, I could do. I could present. I could speak. I could jump, sing, and have fun. And that's all I wanted to do. But there comes... There comes the the situation where the only thing that I could do is watch them. I didn't watch ETV. I didn't know MacGyver until I, I heard him on YFM. ETV We had signal problems. This is a village. ETV was blurry. So... <laughs> 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 okay. So, yeah. This was a perception and this was chance. No matter how gifted you are, your background hindered you from so many things. We couldn't be chosen because we're not known. Mm-hmm. And growing up, I'm seeing the very same phenomenon happening. That's why I want to work hard. So if my kids see something that they want, I can drive them and they can go be a part of it. Not guaranteed that they're going to win, but they at least have a shot at it. My perception changed. My perception changed from that day. And it's just a few weeks back. (laughs) I changed the way I saw myself, realizing that I'm not as woke as I thought I am. Being woke is not about resenting everything that is not black. But it's the ability to be able to discern true intentions of those people that are hiding those intentions of theirs. White perception that I had was wrong in me expecting the white person to be rich. That was an enslaved mentality. They are supposed to be equalized for them to experience life as we experience it. For the very same thing, when you see a black man developing family members and assisting them, you want to quickly term it as nepotism. But do you know how often it happens on the white side of the coin? They do the exact same thing. It is right there. But you have a right to call it a family business because you are raised by people who used to interact with claim bosses. And the claim boss and the claim boss, those are legacy. So what do you think a legacy business is? And legacy business is you handing down what you've worked out for and generations and generations to come. So the same has to be awarded to the black people. Fix your perception, man. Come on now. And me wanting to desperately come out of it is how I got into gambling. You see those machines we used to put in 50 cents in? I remember we used to play this machine. And... Look, I grew up. I grew up broke. We didn't always have have food. We didn't always have money to eat. There were times where we lacked food. There were times where I didn't have anything to to eat, and I didn't have any means. I remember telling my mom and say, "Mom, there are a few people who say I'm handsome. <laughs> if I have to sell myself, I'm gonna sell myself just so we eat." <laughs> oh, she slapped me. <laughs> <laughs> She slapped me and says, don't worry, God will provide. So I wanted an instant fix. Back then, all I needed was 50 bucks so we could buy Brypeg. Brypeg was cheaper back then. It was like 40 bucks and 10 bucks electricity, which would have covered us for a week up until something else comes up. Started gambling. And I won. And would get that and that's how I would survive. And slowly but surely, this thing brought into habit to say, this is going to be my go-to. Because I didn't have a father, I didn't have a mother that I could turn to and say, help me. I'd, I'd <laughs> it, 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 it now hurts realizing that I've always had a father, he was alive and well. But I grew up as poor and underprivileged as I did. That he was just living a life of comfort. Then I grew up. That that habit died down and I stopped doing it. Started working. Then I got my first big promotion. You know, there's that promotion that most people get into. And I pray and pr- and, and and I want you guys to experience what I experience. Not in the way that I experience it. I want it to be greater for you. And I want your life to change when it happens. So I got into this situation when I got my first promotion a big promotion guys it, this is a, a decent salary <laughs> um, I was introduced to Hollywood bets so this is me with the expectation to say that hey look I've always thought if I if I bet more I'll win more and then it's one lump sum then I could be able to just finish things off built my mom that house, get myself that car, and life would go on. Oh boy, was I wrong. I struggled with that problem. All the money that I should have used for saving would end up going to this habit of mine. It didn't devolve into me losing myself though meaning my family was none the wiser because I can still provide for them. I can still help other people. But meanwhile, there was still a healthy portion of my money going through to this habit. I would say 20 to 30%. And it went on for two years. And then I start seeing that, no man, I am not winning. That dream I had of having this windfall of money isn't happening I need to change. And I would convince myself during the month to say, I'm going to stop. I'm not going to do it anymore. I'm done with it. I'm done with Petway. I'm done with Hollywood Pets. I'm done gambling. This is me convincing myself because I'm broke. I, a red log. <laughs> as soon as the money comes in, ah, there it was. Depositing thousands. Oh my gosh. I had a problem. But I didn't, it didn't get to a point where... The family was affected. But it stifled my growth. Because I didn't love myself enough. To realize that I just need to hold on to this money. And over a longer period. It turns into something big. I realized this recently. Hence my situation started to change. I realized that I needed to learn how to love myself. And forgive myself. Because as as wise as God has blessed me. But I'm still young. I have a traumatic childhood. I was abused growing up. I was neglected growing up. There's so many things that I had to go through for me to get to where I am. It wasn't soft. It wasn't easy. I fought. I smiled today. But I fought. I went through, as they say, I went through the most. But it's life. It is what it is. I'm victorious today. It was a bad habit. I'm not an addict. But I've done very careless things. And I'm seeing this for you guys to learn. Don't excuse the bad decisions that you take. Own up to them. Own up to them. Oh, story time. (laughs) Story time <laughs> Oh, I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, I'm sorry. Okay. So yeah, just to share with you, on Tinder. So I was, I found myself on Tinder. I, I like meeting new people. Yeah, 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 yeah. I, I'm I'm not good with interacting. I'm not good at making friends. So, I had this scenario. <laughs> I got a little Tinder when I got back to Joe I was like, let me n- meet new people. There was this lady. At work. I'm always friendly. I'm always greeting. And unfortunately, there's a few of them that I greeted. And then I, 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 I thought nothing of it. I'm just waiting and passing, hey, 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 hello madam, hello. And then I pass you. And imagine my surprise. Imagine my surprise when I am now looking on Tinder and I'm finding these people on my match list. <laughs> and I, I find these ladies oh they're beautiful ladies. They're not they're not ugly. But it was the most awkward thing ever because I thought to myself, does Tinder tell you if this person has declined or does it just expire? Because I don't really know how it works. But it was so awkward. <laughs> Even today, I'm pretending as if I haven't seen it because the awkwardness for me is going to be, eh, it's going to be traumatic. <laughs> and you're saying, ah, Pimelo, what are you doing on Tinder if you don't have any? No, 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 no. Hear me out. Hear me out. Hear me out. I know my intentions. I don't know what their intentions are. (laughs) You know what? (laughs) Okay, there's more to this story. The episode is is, is up. I'm at the 40 minute mark. There's more to this story. Um, I want to get into detail as to what actually happened. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I'm sorry. Ah, no, 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 I don't have time for the story today uh, No, no Guys, thank you so much, this has been the Messy Event Podcast My name is Kalim, thank you And goodbye <laughs> <sighs> I, I know thing. Casper's response was unnecessary. The beef was good. Actually, the way those songs came out is how I ranked them. Big Zulu. Oh, this was one point. Oh, K O gucci came in. Eh? Oh, that's nasty. Eh, eh, eh. That was a nice one. That is a nice one. Kester came. Uh, you know how Kester is. Uh, punchline, punchline. Yeah, no, no. Dude was good. Oh, and Duncan took it personal. Duncan took it personal. And shut it down. That was it. We had enough. We didn't need tea We didn't need Nasty C. We didn't see any. We didn't need anything. It was enough. And then Kester came. Hey, eh, the promo was on fire. It was like, mwankabee. Then it was like, yo, 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 Kespa. He's going to be coming in on that, what um, uh, a Nuku That Nuku vibe. And then Kespa. 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 Yo. Oh, when hip-hop was starting to be resuscitated, He killed it again. That nigga killed it I get. Oh, Kespa. Sometimes there's no need to say anything. Keeping quiet is enough. I was so disappointed. I was, <laughs> I was so disappointed. But yeah, never mind, man, guys. Never mind, never mind, never mind. Uh, yeah, so that's that's the only thing I wanted to, to, to speak about. And, and Moja love is necessary. Eh? There are shows there that we need to learn a lot as black people. The importance of having a will. As young as I am, people, I am going to write my will this, this week. Yeah, and I'm going to read it right here Right here on the Messy Event Podcast <laughs> Yay! You are in for a surprise <laughs> And I wrote <laughs> Yo, you know what? Episode 26, I want to tell you a few stories uh, About writing to Real Sotel. <laughs> Stay tuned, this is the Messy Event Podcast We are made different And that's a perfectly normal thing I'm Kalim and I'm signing out